Welcome to the Neurodiverse Love Podcast. I'm Mona, and I was married for 30 years, in that relationship for 32, and we didn't find out we were a neurodiverse couple until our 29th year of marriage. And I've been divorced since 2018, and together we have an amazing adult daughter who's thriving and doing fantastic. And today I have a guest on the podcast who I'm going to talk to about something that I've never talked about on the podcast, but we hear about it a lot. So I'm going to introduce my guest and welcome her first. Maya, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi, Mona. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. And I'm so glad that you're here. And the topic we're going to talk about is plant medicine. And I know that uh, you are a certified coach. And I know that you do a lot of work with folks in the realm of plant medicine. And I've been listening to a lot of podcasts on this topic since we decided that we were going to do this episode together. So I'm learning so much. And I think our conversation today is going to be helpful to a lot of the listeners. And I know that you have some experience working with autistic folks and neurodivergent folks and other folks who are not neurodivergent. Um, And so we'll talk about that too. So I'd like to start, Maya, with you giving the listeners a little bit about your background and maybe, you know, how we met and Mm -hmm. we came to this topic of discussion today. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Yes, um, some of this you've already mentioned, but um, I'm formally trained as a trauma-informed therapist. And uh, so we had sort of met because I had attended one of your support groups and I had mentioned that I am trained um, in somatic therapies as well. And so we started up a conversation uh, because you were interested in that. And I was like, well, you know, really my passion is very much about um, psychedelics and plant medicine work right now. And so um, we sort of deterred to go down that direction and stuff. But so anyways, I'm formally trained as a therapist, but I do practice as a coach, as you mentioned, to neurotypical and neurodiverse individuals. I've worked with families and I've also worked with corporate teams. And I consider myself a plant medicine woman. I have been a student in the Shipibo and Quechua traditions, which are native to Peru for the past decade. And I am personally neurodivergent as well. I identify as a highly sensitive person, as I know you do. And I share many traits with high masking women on the autism spectrum. I'm also a PTSD and complex PTSD survivor, which I mention only because there's a lot of overlap in this symptomology. And um, I have had the extreme honor of and joy of loving an autistic man. And so I'm here today to, to, because I'm passionate about the healing opportunities in neurodivergent relationships and the sacred use of psychedelics and plant medicines in our individual and relational healing. I love that. I love that. And I know this may be a topic that, like me, a lot of the listeners are not at all knowledgeable about. So I'd love to really start with a little bit about your healing experience, because I think 
based on our conversation, that's kind of what brought you into this place. So can you share a little bit with the listeners kind of what you went through with plant medicine to begin your healing journey and how that prepared you maybe for the relationships that you've had and specifically the one with the autistic uh, partner? Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. Um, Sure. So about a decade ago, um, I will say I had no experience whatsoever with any type of drug. I hadn't even touched marijuana um, when I came to ayahuasca, which was my first plant medicine. And um, I was on the cusp of an important birthday. um, And I had suffered from treatment resistant depression for about two decades of my life. And I was really at a depression forward into another decade. And I wanted to do something pretty profound to honor the transition of one decade to another. And so I found my way um, actually through some YouTube videos that I had come across. And and actually, I mean, in, in all honesty, ayahuasca was something that had sort of crossed my radar a couple times over the course of the prior year. And so the seeds were being planted to, to lead me down to South America. And so anyways, as a, as a trained therapist, I had been exposed to many different therapeutic methodologies. But um, when I sat in ceremony in Peru uh, with the healers, I was just so completely blown away with the capacity of this medicine and the healers to heal on so many levels, to heal on a physical and emotional and mental, a spiritual and a soul level in the presence of such compassion. And um, I was also disillusioned with the field of psychotherapy at that time. And so that journey actually began what became a three-year journey for me, where over the course of three years, I spent an entire year, like if I added up all the time over those three years, I spent an entire year working every day with plant medicines um, in the Amazon and Andean mountains of Peru. Wow. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was not an easy <laughs> wow. journey. I will tell you that it was not easy at all. Um, and uh I also began to do this is this is a little bit beyond what any of your viewers probably would ever experience, but I began to do what's called plant dietas. And that is the path by which healers become healers is that they diet plants and they build a relationship with the plants and the plants become their teachers and allies and members of their medicine cabinet. And so I continue to diet plants today. I go down about once or twice a year, I diet plants. Sometimes I bring clients down there with me. Um, and uh, I, I, I travel now to Latin America and South America to work with these profound medicines and to introduce my clients to these. So, um, so that's sort of my background in terms of how I got into plant medicine work. Um, in terms of how it prepared me for a neurodivergent relationship or, or um, just to love someone who is autistic, um, you know, I'm not sure. Are you familiar with Emotionally Focused Therapy by Sue I Johnson? Am. I am. I am. Yes. You are. Yes. So she has a quote, which is, we are only as needy as our unmet needs. 
And I like to differentiate between needy and having needs because I believe in our culture, we've conflated the two and that we can have needs without being needy and that, you know, our needs anywhere from the need to feel safe to the need to feel emotionally attuned to, um, you know, are very human. And some of us through repetitive traumas or early trauma of our needs not being met, have wounds around these needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and the wounds have actually become infected. <laughs> like yeah. if you think, if you think of yeah. infection, yeah. yeah. And, and so these plants can work to, as a tool to help heal those wounds. And once the wound is healed, then all that remains is a scar. So if I come into contact with someone that bumps up against an unmet need in me, it's no longer an infected wound. And so so there won't be as much of a trigger. And so from that place, it's a lot easier for us to remain grounded and centered and respond from a loving place. And so, um, you know, that's what these medicines do. They're healers. They're also teachers in that the plants teach us how to be in the world, how to show up, how to love, how to forgive how to tend to our needs, for so, so much more. So they're literally, they heal our wounds, they teach us new ways of being in relationship with ourselves, with one another, and with life. And so my work with plants, like I just, so when I met this beautiful autistic man, I just think about who I would have been, had I like how I would have showed up with him had I not had prior experience and the help and healing of the work that I've done with plants. And I would have been a totally different person. And so through my work with plants it, and healing my own core wounds around unmet needs, I was then able to see this beautiful man in front of me as he is and not have my perspective be blurred by my past trauma. And so from that place, I could see his goodness and I could respond lovingly and certainly not perfectly, but clearly enough that together we could create something that was healing and loving for both of us. Mm. Okay. Maya, I, I love everything that you've shared and I want to unpack a few things because I think whether any of the listeners decide to work with plant medicine and as Maya said, it's not necessarily something that you can do at the level she's doing it in the United States. You'll probably have to go to another country. But at the end, we will give you Maya's contact information if you're interested in exploring this. But there's a few things that you said that I think are really important to kind of focus on. Um, one thing you said, and, and I don't know if I heard this correctly, is you have a diet with the plant. Is that is that mm-hmm. what you said? Yes. Okay. Di- yes. Diet. Okay. So can yeah. you explain what that looks like? Are you actually sure. eating them on a regular basis or taking them on a regular basis? Because, you know, all this is new to me. So. Yeah. 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 No, I appreciate your questions. So first, um, if I can address what you mentioned about the legality. So at the moment, ketamine, um, which is a synthetic medication, is the only psychedelic that is legal to use in a psychotherapeutic setting. Um, uh, I believe that it is Colorado and Oregon that have also uh, decriminalized the use of plants and very, very optimistically uh, or 
positively, I should say, California is on the verge of decriminalizing as well. And so, uh, you know, most of the people that I know that are doing this work, we're doing it abroad um, because that's, and for a number of reasons, it's where it's legal. It's also where, um, you know, I came in through the door of indigenous healers. There are other people like the ketamine therapists that are doing it in clinical settings. But so if someone wants an indigenous experience, they go to where the indigenous healers are. So that's that's part of it. Um, and then in regards to a plant dieta. So yes, um, I actually have taken clients and they have done dietas because the value of a dieta is that you get the partnership of the plant. So you're building a relationship with the plant. How do you do that? Um, it varies depending on the tradition that you're sitting in. In the tradition that I sit in, they open a diet with an ayahuasca ceremony and they close the diet with an ayahuasca ceremony. And in between that time, they prepare and serve um, a plant, which I drink um daily until the dosage that they've given me is done. And these are not psychedelic plants. These are just, I mean, you can even ba diet basil, which basil is a heart opening plant. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of along the lines of, I mean, there are lots of traditions that do this, like traditional Chinese medicine, they diet herbs and, and, or you take herbs and stuff. And so, but it's really about, um, I call it, Vipassana retreat with plant medicines, um, because you're you're in predominant isolation. You're you're sitting with a group, but it's really about a time to turn inward and to really allow the plants to work on us and to build a relationship with the plants. So how do we do that? Uh, they can work through our dreams, um, very vivid, vivid dreams. They can work through physical body releases, um, I can share with you. So my last diet, I dieted for a month. So I was a month in isolation and I dieted, um, a, uh, it's not really a plant. It's, I think it's a vine, but it's called a renakia and it attaches onto a host tree and, um, it restored my nervous system. I had been through a major trauma, mm -hmm. the largest trauma of my life back in 2021. And the healers that I work with, they're like, we need to work on your root system. And so they chose this, this plant, um, uh, Renakia, and it, it restored my nervous system. I felt like a different person afterwards. Yeah. Um, I could feel things pulsing through my feet, like releasing through my feet. And it just, it did what a year and a half of cranial sacral therapy hadn't even touched for wow. me. Uh, and so I cannot speak highly enough of these to me. They're like, I credit these plants with saving my life. And um, yeah, so that's why I share it with people. Yeah, I totally understand. I mean, you know, when something impacts you so greatly that it changes everything about who you are in a positive way, mm -hmm. you know, gets you through depression and heals trauma and all of and, you know, re-regulates your nervous system. That's phenomenal. So thank you so much yeah. for sharing that and letting folks know 
the states that have decriminalized the plants. And I, I also think that one of the other things that you said that I think is really important for us to kind of talk about for a few minutes is, well, mm-hmm. actually two things. One, um, what you said about you're only as needy at, or we're only as needy as our greatest unmet needs. And then yeah. the other one I want to talk about is um, when your wounds are healed and somebody bumps mm-hmm. into them, they trigger you, yeah. you know, there's a need you thought was an unmet need and you get triggered because they're not meeting it and how it's easier for us to handle that. Mm. I think those two concepts are really important for those in neurodiverse relationships, but in any relationship to hear and kind of um, understand the importance of both of those. So Mm. let's talk about the, um, First one, you're only as needy as your greatest unmet needs. So with the plant medicine, was there something Mm -hmm. in particular that helped you kind of uh, become less needy or become maybe less reactive to unmet needs? Is there anything that you want to share about that? Yeah. Well, so I think that it was a process for me. And so these medicines at the core, they're energy medicines. They're working on our energetic field. And, you know, from a somatic psychology perspective, there's um, the saying that our issues are in our tissues. Mm -hmm. And so we have a way of holding on to these traumas and they get held in like the postures of our body and maybe our breathing patterns and, and all of that. And so one thing is that these medicines were releasing on an energetic level for me and, and for everyone for that's just how they work. And so um, that shifted things. Um, Things can open up like, like, so for example, I can, I can, have a different experience and respond differently without really being able to understand why that is. Just something has shifted in me energetically. So that's one way. Mm-hmm. Another way is that, um, you know, most of the medicines um, that I work with, which are uh, ayahuasca, San Pedro, which is of the mescaline family, similar to peyote, um, uh, mushrooms, Aboga, which is a root that is native to Western Africa and um, the other plants that I work with, many of them are empathogens. So what that means is that they heighten our experience, which is what allows us to go deeply. Like, so for example, um, I was recently grieving and I can access a certain level of grief which it actually has been expanded as a result of working with these plants. But most people like most people have difficulty crying or or let's say if they do cry, it's only to a certain level. These plants, I use the analogy of it's as though they go into your garden, which is like your body, your soul, and they they pluck out the weeds. And they don't just trim it. It's not like they're mowing the lawn. They are literally going in and pulling the weed out from its roots. So I that it that. no longer exists. And then they plant new seeds. And mm-hmm. those new seeds are what we need to, you know, allow space for them to grow. And that's like work. But so 
So the plants, the healing work happens in that it takes us more deeply into our feelings and the, the grief work around the unmet needs, the anger around the unmet needs. And it allows us to experience it in a way that isn't re-traumatizing, but that is purgative. It releases it from us. And, and then it gives us the gift. A lot of these plants, one of their gifts is that they work by allowing us to see things from a different perspective. So to stand in other people's perspective. Um, I, I know, interestingly, actually, I recently um, was in the pre presence of an autistic man who was working with a boga down in Latin America. And he said in his um, after his experience, he said, I've had a hard time my entire life standing in another person's perspective. And through this medicine, it was the first time I was ever able to really see through another person's perspective. So that is one of the gifts that these plants give and, and how they heal in terms of like the particular experience that you mentioned, which was the wound of unmet needs. Oh my gosh, that example, I know is probably going to hit home for a lot of the folks who are listening, whether they're autistic or non autistic, because mm -hmm. I know I hear that often from couples that, you know, one or both of them cannot put themselves in each other's shoes and cannot understand from the other's perspective. I think it goes both ways, because yeah. if you're a very feeling and emotional person and your partner isn't and they can't understand your emotions you know it's hard and, and this was something I experienced with my ex-husband it was hard for me to understand why he couldn't cry or why he didn't feel emotions at the level that I did and it was hard for him to understand why I could get so emotional so quickly you know and and so we it's part of the double empathy you know that yeah. I think we need to feel in our relationships with our neurodiverse um partners or if we're neurodiverse with our non-neurodiverse partners because we both can be right in what we're feeling and experience and we don't need to be judged and blamed for it what we need is to understand each other so that is beautiful Maya that is really really beautiful and you know when we understand that some of the reasons we get so angry and confrontational in our relationships with our partner is because we have unmet needs and we have core wounds that need to be healed you know for those folks that decide to take this journey with plant medicine it could be like it was for you a major, major game changer. So thank you so much for sharing that. I'd yeah. love also to talk about, you know, how when your wounds heal and somebody mm -hmm. triggers something, it hurts less um, mm -hmm. and you can deal with it differently because that's what I'm hearing you say about this past um, relationship, situationship, whatever, you know, you're calling it that happened with a neurodivergent man, you know, maybe in the past, you would have been feeling very different things and grieving for a whole lot longer. But it sounds like the process is different this time around. So do you want to talk at all about that? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so I think 
first, I'd like to back up for a moment and just say that, like, whether it's a neurodivergent relationship or it's a neurotypical relationship, you know, in general, relationships give us an opportunity to see where our wounds are, our existing wounds are, um, are what I call growing edges, which are, you know, the areas where we can learn and grow in. Um, and they can offer a they, certainly we can heal in relationship or be wounded in relationships. So there's the opportunity to re-traumatize ourselves, but there's also the opportunity to have a corrective experience. And lastly, there's an opportunity where we get to see, I think some relationships come into our life purely for the purpose of, we get to see our own self-mastery and where we've grown and healed. And, um, so how did my own experience with plants sort of prepare me to love someone who um, is autistic? And I think that, um, well, one I first want to say is that I'm very grateful because he had been diagnosed about 15 years ago at midlife for himself. And so he was able to, on our second date, tell me that he is autistic. And I think that that made the journey um, so much easier because long ago um, by Tony Atwood and he mentioned like what it takes to be the best partner one can be in a neurodivergent relationship. And some of what he mentions is coming to truly know oneself and truly know one's partner and addressing difficult issues um, or facing one's demons, which I think of as like our past relational traumas and um, just sort of habits and patterns which we and defense mechanisms which we've adopted along the way as being human beings. Um, and a, a shift in a perspective and building relational skills. And so that all of those are very important to being one's best partner. And those have been the gifts of these plant medicines. And so I think as a result of that, I felt prepared and supported when I met this man and was able to open my heart to him. And, um, and so some of the gifts of that experience of actually loving him, um, which are a direct result of the plant medicine work and who he is and who I am, you know, all of us combined to create the experience. But, um, so it was a corrective experience in that I got to see my physical beauty through his eyes. Um, and I, in his presence, or in the presence, I should say, of trust and respect and kindness, I was able to reclaim my soft feminine nature. Um, it was also an opportunity for me to use discernment and look at my doubts, my fears, my hopes, my desires, and my attachments, um, and to take responsibility for meeting my own needs and um, for rebuilding my life after the major trauma that I'd gone through, which um, preceded my meeting him by like a year and a half. I, I've been on a long healing journey before I met him. Um, and meeting him allowed me to restore trust and see good intentions in another human being. And it was an opportunity uh, to, for me to uncouple unmet needs from anger and mm. to shift my perspective of space um, from, I, I previously equated space with disconnection and uh, loving this human allowed me to sort of re-embrace space as sacred and necessary. 
And, um, you know, I also saw my, my limited capacities around listening and how there were growth opportunities in that for me. Um, there were certainly, I'm sure, growth opportunities for me um, in terms of knowing how to love him better, like more attuned to his needs. Um, and certainly there were opportunities to meet my own idiosyncrasies and his with acceptance and compassion and levity. I know that when you and I spoke on the phone, I talked about, uh, you know, I had a childhood wound of being too much as a sensitive human being. And it was like, I got to see my too muchness, but with deep acceptance of like, this is, this is who I am. And, um, to sort of just appreciate and enjoy my too muchness, um, while also trying to be sensitive to him. And so there was there were so so many opportunities. I mean, if I had to recap it, I would say that the medicine prepared me to love deeply and unconditionally, which I think was an experience that I really, to be honest with you, hadn't had in my life previously. And mm. it also prepared me. Um, that when the time came to grieve fully, to grieve mm -hmm. fully and to let go. And, and to me, those are such, such, such gifts. Like, um, I think it's Jack Cornfield who said something, and he's a Buddhist teacher. He um, is the head of Spirit Rock, which is a meditation community here in California. He said something to the effect of like, in the end, the, th the three things that matter as are, um, have I lived fully loved fully and you know learned to let go and i feel like this loving this man was an opportunity for me to see my capacity in those areas and that was directly related to my work with plants who he was who he showed up to be and who i was at the time that we met mm. maya I, there are just so many things there that i think are going to be so I want to say mind blowing for folks mm -hmm. to hear because, you know, it, it was so easy. Thank you so much for sharing and being so vulnerable and being so honest about all that, because, you know, I've been very, very honest and transparent on the podcast because my healing journey has not been easy. And I think for a lot of us, you know, we may feel shame or, um, not feel comfortable sharing those things, especially with the world on a podcast. But, you know, I'm almost 60 years old and I know I came here to make a difference. I'm a social worker. I've been doing social work for, you know, almost 40 years. And if my pain and my healing and my growth journey can help somebody else, and I already know it has, you know, then I feel, you know, an obligation to share. So, I, I think that for those that are listening, I just want to stress a few things that you said. I think that in relationship with somebody who's very different than we are neurologically, we oftentimes will look at them with this kind of feeling like they need to change. They need to do something differently. They need to be a better partner. They need to listen to my needs. I did it for 32 years. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm no stranger to any of that. But what you're talking about during this episode is really how you went on a journey with plant medicine to really understand 
how you could be the best Maya in your life and in relationship. And even if that means that the relationship ends or that there are major changes in your life that, you know, you didn't expect, you're basically giving yourself the tools, the resources, the change in perspective so that you're healing and growing from every new experience. Sometimes we're so focused on the differences in our neurodiverse relationships that we forget, you know, that we were attracted to our partners for reasons that, you know, may have been similarities, may have been things we were looking for in a partner that we hadn't found before. And so I always say this, you know, on the podcast and in the support groups, you know, the more we focus on our differences as a negative or something that needs to change, the more we will suffer. And, and that's, you know, hard stop right there. And I suffered so much in my marriage mm-hmm as much as I loved my ex-husband and I still do care about him and I will always care about him. He is the father of our daughter and, you know, he is a wonderful human being, but the fact of the matter is we didn't understand ourselves. We met at 21 and married at 23. We didn't understand ourselves and we didn't understand each other. And we focused on our differences as negatives, not all the time, but sometimes and enough times that, you know, we were not in a good place when we separated. So just a message to the listeners that, you know, if you're constantly focusing on the differences in your partner and in your relationship versus your sister's relationship or your friend's relationship and seeing it through a negative lens, I guarantee you, you're going to continue to suffer. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I'd love to hear if, um, there are other healing opportunities that you've come across in working with people who have gone on a plant medicine journey or in your own journey. Are there other healing opportunities that you want to talk about that might um, be helpful for the listeners to hear? Yeah. Um, Mona, before I address that, I remembered what I was going to say okay. earlier. If I, if I can go back and say that. So um there's a saying when we work in ceremonial work and, and, and I use the word ceremony because the work that I do and the work of the healers and the plants is sacred. That's the context that I work in. Um, and the saying is life is the ceremony. And mm-hmm. so when we work with plants, we come back and we integrate back into our lives and, uh, you know, in the tradition I sit in, we believe the test plant, the, the plants test us, excuse me, the plants test us. What does that mean? That means that there will be opportunities that arise in our life that give us opportunities to then apply what we've learned and the way that we've healed so that we can stumble and fall and get back up and learn and, you know, continue to integrate and grow. And so in regards to loving this man and you know seeing the similarities and seeing it as an opportunity for me to you know keep reflecting back to myself in my own work my own work um i guess that i will say that so one of the learnings that came to me um early on in my medicine work is that we know that an experience is complete when we can look back and we can say yes and thank you 
and mm. the yes the yes is an acceptance it's it's not approval sometimes acceptance gets um confused with approval but it's it's just like saying this is what was this is or this is what is you know and and i can accept this and then the thank you is that i have i have absorbed i have so taken all of the gifts reaped all of the gifts and all of the lessons from this experience and then so one of my mentors early on i i'd gone through a heartbreak early like this was about a, a decade ago i was early in medicine work and anyways um and one of my mentors he said to me it wasn't the relationship that failed it was the relationship that served and so i think that no matter what the outcome is of our relationships if we can look back um and actually if we can live it you know it's like that saying like if you can die before you die then when you die you will not die and so mm -hmm. it's kind of like if we can learn the lessons as we go along then when we come to whatever outcome our relationships have, which you know, fifty percent of marriages divorce end in divorce, or you know, whatever it is, then we will have already been um, reaping those gifts and those lessons along the way, and 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 that was what I got to experience um, in loving this man. That's beautiful, and I feel I feel the same way with my ex-husband. I feel mm -hmm. like I am. Oh my gosh, a better human, a better mother, a better sister, a better partner because of my relationship with my ex-husband that, you know, was 30 years of marriage and 32 years together. I'm not sure that I would change much of what we went mm -hmm. through. There might be a few minor things that if I had a magic wand, I would change. Yeah. But, you know, it all really helped me get to this point. And I would never have done neurodiverse love if I hadn't been in that relationship. Mm -hmm. And I know, mm -hmm. you know, I have no idea how many people are, you know, getting helped from this because I hear from people daily. But I think for um, me, and it sounds like for you too, one of the key things is wanting to go on the healing journey and becoming mm -hmm. a better version of yourself. Because I hear this often from, you know, one partner or the other that, you know, all my partner wants to do is criticize me. All my partner wants to do is tell me all the things I'm doing wrong. All my partner wants to do is, you know, focus on the negative in our relationship. Well, you know, it definitely does take two to tango, but also it's our responsibility to become more self-aware and to do the work we need to do to be the best version of ourselves. And if that means leaving the relationship you're in, that means leaving the relationship you're in. You know, when I tell people, because I've been dating since our separation, which was almost eight years ago, and I would tell people that I had been married 30 years, I can't tell you how many men would say to me, like, what? <laughs> Why are you leaving now? You put in all this work. Mm -hmm. And it was just, I knew. I knew mm -hmm. when we needed to separate and I knew when it was time to file for divorce. And, and a lot of people ask how I knew 
can't tell you. You can't tell you there was some particular thing that happened. Just like, you know, you might not ever be able to write a book that explicitly, you know, provides a timeline of all the healing that you've gone through with plant medicine and where the, you know, the dead ends were in the road and where you went right and where you went left. But you know that overall it has healed you in so many ways. So, right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I want to I want to speak to something that you mentioned, which is timing. And I was recently doing some reading. I had mentioned to you an author that I love by the name of David Rico, who is a Buddhist psychology psychologist and all of his books I've just loved. But anyways, I was reading a passage in one of his books and it was about timing. And and what you're talking about is that inner knowing that it just comes at a particular time. And I think that that's true. That's true whether we speak about uh, feeling a calling to work with these plants or the plants actually calling to us. I also think it's true when it comes to, um, you know, doing the work. And there's a reason why not everyone does the work. It's not easy. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, confronting oneself is not easy. as we change, a lot of things fall away. That's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, our world as we know it and our perspective as we know it then shifts and our world is never the same. That's not easy. And so I think that there is there is a timing too in terms of whether people are willing to step into greater self-awareness and do healing work. And some people don't ever reach that point to to their choice and you know maybe that's not their life path you know and then there are there are others of us i say either through desperation or inspiration are sort of (laughs) catapulted into doing this this work yeah oh absolutely and i think that inner knowing for me is real Uh, Mm -hmm. My ex used to ask me, you know, how do you just know, you know, it it was like, it was very difficult Mm -hmm. for him to trust his intuition. I don't even know if he knew how to get in touch with it when we were together, he may feel differently now. And I, I hear this from a lot of autistic partners, that, you know, they have challenges understanding their feelings and their emotions. And so it sounds almost like those that want to be more in touch may want to explore plant medicine because it may help you in ways that you might not be able to get to that place of inner knowing on your own. So is there anything else, Maya, that you want to share with the listeners that we haven't talked about that you think would be helpful? Because it sounds like, you know, you have so much experience with this personally and professionally. Mm. Yeah. So um, you spoke about inner knowing and, you know, I think that that ties back to interoception and alexithymia, which is, uh, you know, a number of people in the neurodivergent population deal with that. I personally dealt with that. Um, I had to heal and grow in in that regard. And I actually did my master's thesis on the the role of somatic therapies in the treatment of alexithymia. Um, Oh, wow. But yeah, but so these, 
these plants have the capacity, whether neurodivergent or neurotypical, to ex expand our inner knowing, to put us in touch with our feelings. And to I know that through my work with mushrooms, I, um, I came to understand my intuition and how to listen to it. And through my work with aboga, I came to understand truth and how to how to even find that. Like these these are not tools that most people's parents sit down and teach them. Like, hello, son or daughter. Like this is how you listen to your intuition. Most of us don't get that training. No. Not even therapists. Like even through my graduate studies, nobody taught me that. And so. No. I think that, um, you know, in the world of plants, it's very leveling in the sense that like we're all human and we're all, I think I, I speak to that there are universal lessons that we all have to learn. Like some of those lessons can be lessons in boundaries or lessons in how to give and how to receive. And, and those transcend our neurological differences. Um, and, and the plants can be helpful in, in expanding that consciousness. Um, you had asked earlier about sort of experiences um, and, and just even just very recently, um, I had mentioned a prior autistic gentleman that uh, I was witness to him having an experience with a boga where he was able to stand in another person's perspective. I've also uh, very recently um, had a client report that through working with San Pedro, which is again of the mescaline family, and it's known as being very heart opening medicine, that uh, he, he was, a, or is I should say, a transgendered autistic male and his intention was to connect with his authentic self. And I mean, as you can imagine, um, someone that's transgendered and stuff, he experienced body dysmorphia and uh, just the pain of that. And, and through his work with San Pedro, he was able to connect with his authentic self. Um, or recently, a client of mine uh, worked with mushrooms and his intention was to work with shame and guilt. And he was able to feel such a sense of freedom and relief and understanding. And in addition, one of the side effects that he experienced was um, that he had an autoimmune disorder that actually went into remission after uh -huh. working with these medicines. So there's just you know, um, I should mention this, and I haven't mentioned this yet, but plant medicines are not indicated for all people. Um, you know, if, if you have a high prior history of psychosis, then um, the psychedelics are not indicated as well as like certain health issues are not appropriate for certain um, plants and, um, you know, prior medications. It, it all can be complicated and stuff. And so people do need to they need, they need to use discernment. They need to be honest with themselves. They need to be honest with the people that they're sitting with. Um, but that being said, uh, plant medicines are proving, and there are a lot of lots of research studies right now um, through Johns Hopkins, through MAPS organizations, on and on and on. Most of the major institutions are doing research now in the efficacy of psychedelics and the treatment of uh, depression, anxiety, trauma, addiction, end of life, um, and they're all they're all proving to be, um, 
you know, extremely promising, very positive. And that's been my experience as well. Yeah. Maya, I so appreciate you sharing this because, you know, and I want to tell our listeners, this is educational. This is, you know, Maya's story. This is Maya's personal and professional experience. And I'm not, you know, suggesting that everybody run out and engage in some kind of plant medicine therapy or working with somebody who has expertise in this. But I did want to introduce the neurodiverse love audience to this because the more I listen to experts on this subject, the more I realize we have so much to learn. And if we close ourselves off to different ways of healing and growing, I think that puts us in a box. And I certainly don't want to be in a box. You know, I want to be able to explore and uh, understand different ways of being uh, my authentic self, but also different ways in which I can educate myself and, um, you know, become the best partner as I'm in relationship with so many people that I care about and love. So this was educational for me. Mm -hmm. It was enlightening for me, and I hope it will be for many of the listeners. So if folks want to reach out to you, Maya, or to work with you, what is the best way that they can connect with you? Yeah. Um, so first of all, this has been such a pleasure for me as well. Thank you awesome. so much for having me on. Um, so I do, I do not, I'm not on social media. So the best way for people to reach me is Maya, M-A-Y-A, at, at symbol, in right relationship.com. And um, that is, it's in right relationship is, it's not a, it's not a dualistic term of right versus wrong. It's actually a Buddhist principle that is deeply rooted in alignment and reciprocity. Mm. And I love that. To me. Okay. And I'll put that in the show notes. And I, I don't know if you had anything else that you wanted to say before we end the, the episode. Was there anything else that you wanted to share or do you feel like, we covered a lot of important stuff and you're at a place where you feel comfortable ending. Yeah. I mean, I guess I just want to share that I'm left with, I feel so much love in my heart for the community that you touch and for the work that you're doing. And I thank you. Thank you so much, Maya. I appreciate it.